Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops, and Inprint, a literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, conducts readings, workshops, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading and supports writers. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects, will interview emerging and established writers from across the United States with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age. Welcome to Inkwell. I'm your host, Jasmine Mendez. And I'm her co-host? Yes. Rupa Mendes. Yeah, sometimes we can like change roles. I can be the host. You can be the co-host. Well, I didn't know. Equal society. But isn't that like we're both co-hosts? I guess so. Anyway, welcome to Inkwell. (laughs) We are here. (laughs) That's like that Twix commercial. That is. Ah, Love Twix. Yeah, yeah. And you've heard from our guest. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Guest, you can say hi. Hi. With us on this very (laughs) balmy, humid, uh, gray Sunday afternoon. Um, but yeah, we're happy to be here. We're excited to to have another another interview for our season. So this will, I think, I think, like, hey, these are the episode the episodes that we've done. This mm-hmm. is numerically, but not in order. I don't think we're allowed to say numbers anymore. Yeah, we can't because we numbers. we always post them out of order. We so just okay. know that this is the sixth <laughs> time that we've gotten we've together together to interview with Josh a to guest. do this work. So yes, yes, uh, that'll welcome. be good stuff. Yeah. Um, so today we will be interviewing Carmen Jimenez Smith, author of Cruel Futures. Um, she's also with us here because tomorrow she will be. Um, well, it'll, it'll be actual tomorrow, but for you all, it'll probably have already passed on March twenty fifth. Uh, she uh, is reading for the Margaret Root Brown Reading Series in the evening with Fadi Judah, and I will be interviewing them both. Who gets to interview them? Me. Yay! <laughs> no pressure. So, but today we get to just have a nice little one on one or a two on one. I don't know. That doesn't even sound. <laughs> does not sound right. Whatever. I'm sorry. We're all co-hosts. We're all yeah, co-hosts. We're, all, we're, all, we're chatting <laughs> with uh, Kevin Quinn Smith. So. Um, um. Yeah. yeah. So. It's good times. It is. So I wait. You. What were we? All I know is that earlier today, mm-hmm. to kind of start off our banter thing, we. I think I was reading on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I was reading on Twitter, and I started giggling because I'm not that person. Um, uh, Rigoberto Gonzalez had posted that he's preparing all his stuff for AWP, which is... This coming week. This coming week. Important. And I never know what AWP really stands Association for. Association of Writers and Writing Programs. It should be AWWP. It should. Because I never remember what it's called. <laughs> Wait, I didn't so even know that until you said it. Yeah, Wait, Association, Association of, of Writers, writers and, and Writing, writing Programs. programs. It's I literally, I literally thought it was like oh, association like for barbaric yop. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was. I was ripping. I thought, I thought it was association of writers and poets or something. Writers and writing programs, because that's like what all of the like MFA programs are there to help like yeah. recruit students and tell people about their programs and blah blah blah. As part of uh, like all of this, I, I call it burning loaf. Burning loaf. <laughs> I love it. Loaf. <laughs> it's a very love stressful that. time. For yeah, sure. I, well, well, and Burning Man because some people oh, let loose. That's true. Oh, that is true. <laughs> They're like always that. like post AWP oh. stories for sure. Um, so nice. as he's preparing for AWP, uh, Rigoberto had posted uh, that he was going to take his checkbook <laughs> because he's like, I'm too old. These people are too young. And they want me to vim. <laughs> Venmo. Venmo. <laughs> and I like, I, I like, like read it and I like, I put, I liked it and then I. Well, he's funny uh, because like I, I when he was my mentor for for grad school at one point and I had said, oh, do you want to like Skype for like our meetings or whatever or like, you know, what do you want to do? He's like, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. And I was like, but you tweet like insanely like all the time. He's like, that's all I do. And I only tweet. I only tweet. I only use Twitter for the news. And I'm like, but you're like tweeting like your socks and your shoes and your that's meal. news. Like, and that's all. That's, that's all, news. That's, yo. He's, like, he's like not on Facebook. He's like not on any of the other like technology like technology type stuff. So social media or whatever. So I put. I like retweeted it and put the comment. I feel seen. And <laughs> I don't even have a pay, a PayPal account, which is re- like so. Like our part of our our like conversation today between the two of us is always this like where do you stand in terms of like new technologies and or like social are, media especially social media like stuff it. and i i like insta and i'm mm-hmm. really great with twitter mm-hmm. and i'm cool with facebook 
and the kids got me started with Snapchat, Snapchat the students, which yeah. I forget to do half the time. And then the only <laughs> time I actually it. go and do a Snapchat is when the kids yell at me that I should do one, but they can't even see it anyways because school rules, whatever. <laughs> um, but so like what, like, are there any... Like, your relationship, I guess, to social media is what we were, like, thinking about. And for me, it's, like, a love-hate thing. Like, I do this thing where I'm, like, all about it, and I'm all on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all these things, right? And then, like, I just, like, throw a hissy fit, and I'm like, ah, this is overwhelming. And I, like, I delete every app off my phone, and I try to have, like, a blackout that lasts all of, like, three days. <laughs> Like, and then I'm back on it because I'm like, oh, I have this event that I should promote. Okay, let me get back online. I don't so, like, I, cat, I, I don't know. like, cat, not category, cat, not catalog. What's the word I'm looking for? Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize, yeah. Yo, that was not even anywhere near those <laughs> other words. Um, compartmentalize, like, Facebook is all, I guess, like, both personal and then promotional stuff mm-hmm. for, like, the personal stuff, me. The the promotional stuff, everybody else, and all the work yeah, we do like with the, the dental projects, stuff, yeah. and the community stuff, and the, like supporting everybody else. The Twitter is like I'll retweet the hell out of anything that's Cantomundo or Gundimana or Cavecanum, and then my stuff for my events that I'm putting on. But then like Instagram is look, I found a butterfly. You like never post on Instagram. I barely like, you post don't take on pictures. Instagram. Like you rarely I don't. take and pictures of like anything. That ta- and so and I only post on Instagram if I'm like having like a Facebook blackout where I like delete Facebook and then I'm like catch me oh, on so Instagram. Gonna... So then I'm like just like posting pictures of like everything every five minutes. But and I took Twitter off my phone months ago and I haven't put it back on because I've just never really gotten into like tweeting. I'm just like meh. I'm actually really good Whatever. at that part of it. But yeah. so like and Snapchat's like a whole nother like bunny faces. Like I don't understand. I, I'm just like, what is happening? Why are we lighting our faces on fire in a picture? Because like, it's fun. Why not? Anyways, like, but so I like, I guess like what I, for me like like looking at like the aspect of like what social media brings into the conversation, but then like technologically, how does that change the way we look at language and what we're mm, doing with it? And yeah. we kind of were talking about it when we, were, we had the conversation um, with, with Fadi Duda about how. Like even the the number of characters that have like existed, the compression, yeah. the compression of all of that, like even stems from uh, old technologies like telegram. the telegram, yeah. and like what can the brain process as it's looking at short comments and short mm-hmm. uh, brief statements, and so like looking at that, like how much of that exists, like I, the number of times that I've gone through and I'm on Twitter and I'm like. This some bitch da 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 da, and then it's like oh negative You're ten in the red, shit so you gotta, I gotta like, go back and well, yeah, I gotta edit. Like, can you, you like self edit like, like this idea of like how 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 like the technology how social media is making us change like just our relationship with language right and like how we self edit or what what the, kind of the words that we're using to like express like a moment an idea an experience or the view of what we want people to think about us right and like how we're and then extending that. that to even like youth like those individuals who are younger than us, mm-hmm. like the number of kids that use uh, emojis. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, it's an emoji. Um, but like they're hieroglyphs. Like they're straight yeah, up hieroglyphs and like, like the, they have the separate meanings combined Putting meanings. them together. I don't know what any of that like. And like the kids can have a whole Eggplant, sentence. pear. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, like, what? what is That's that? dirty. <laughs> I know. I, I, don't, like, I don't know. There's like, so, so, like, like what? <laughs> But like, like, what are all those things? (laughs) And like having a conversation with kids, I'm like, okay, if if that's there and that's there and that's there, what is that? And what if there's only two? What is that sentence? (laughs) They're like, so it could mean this, and it's all the context of the previous statements in a message. And I'm like, that that's a whole legit like level of language now based on both narrative and context and all of those other things that that we already use. And so I'm like, that's. I don't know if the kids think that that's brainy or not. I don't know if other people think that that's brainy or not, but there is a level that that's part of that. Yeah, I mean, you're you're like necessity. you're taking the language that we have and sort of like restructuring it to fit like whatever the need is of the time. But yeah, it's you know as yeah as writers like we're thinking about the kids are just like ah emojis <laughs> like you know they're not really <laughs> overanalyzing it that much. Don't say so. that on the one. So uh, when we come back from. Our little break, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into our the first half of our interview with uh, Gottman Jimenez-Smith. And uh, yeah, yeah. We'll be back. We'll be back. And 
we're back. Uh, it was a really long, probably two-minute break. Hope you got some coffee in that time span. Or you paused it and went to the bathroom. Or you're at the red light and you paused it. Or however you're listening. You know, if anybody is out there that does listen to us, can you let us know like yeah, where? Send us a note. Where, how do you listen to the show? How are is you it on listening? your run? Is it in the car? Are you in Is bed? it to drown out your screaming children? Wow. Do people, can people do that? That's, I think so. My brother wears headphones in the car and he has a car full of children. That's not safe. <laughs> I don't think that's legal. Is it? Is that probably not. Legal? Uh, probably not. You called out honest, your brother. That's but. dope. Um, but so uh, to start off, um, so I'm going to introduce the uh, the official um, bio for, for Gottman. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump right in. We'll jump right in and Gottman will read a piece and then we'll get into. We'll get into some digging. Um, Godwin Jimenez-Smith is the author of six poetry collections, including Milk and Filth, a finalist for the National Books Critics Circle Award, which the nation calls, quote, a sharp feminist manifesto by way of poetry collection. She received the Juniper Prize for Poetry for Goodbye Flicker, and her latest book, Cruel Futures, is described by Ross Gay as, quote, one of those rare books, rare pieces of art that manages to be extremely uh, intimate, vulnerable, and close while also doing a kind of searing cultural critique. Her memoir, Bring Down the Little Birds, winner of an American Book Award, was praised by the Austin American Statesman as innovative in form as it is in honest, as it is honest in emotion, outrageously smart. Bring Down the Little Birds seems to tip motherhood on its side to expose its brutal through beautiful underbelly. Co-edited by Angels the uh, Americlips. Yo, did I say that right? Uh, new uh, Latino Latina writings and poetry. Co-editor of The Nation. She serves as the publisher of Noemi Press and co-director of Canto Mundo. Ladies and gentlemen. Godwin Jimenez-Smith. Hello. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Uh, and thanks guys. for doing the, the imprint, Margaret Root Brown, uh, reading series tomorrow. Very um, excited. That should be an exciting evening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, uh, if you might, if there's a, a poem uh, or piece that you'd like to read out of this latest collection. Sure. Um, so this is, one, this is one, actually, that I've... Never, I don't, I don't read this one. I forget that this one is in this book because it actually was in the other book. Oh. And then I, I pulled it out. It, you know, I was writing two books simultaneously. Mm, yeah. So I kept yeah. moving books back, uh, move, moving poems back and forth. And um, at the sort of at the end moments of this book, I told Jeff Schatz that I was pulling this one out, pulling that one out and pulling it out. And I was like having sleepless nights, like he was going to be upset about it. And he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but I got to put the, the viejita glasses on. Oh, she's swapping glasses, folks. <laughs> I'm giving you the play-by-play. -play. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Conspiracy mm. theories. Conspiracy theories. I have seen evidence of a universe with our same face. This was envisioned sent to me from where contrails are walkways on the galactic serpent. I think dogs are a drug, and I also believe the death of common goodness is a form of horizontal oppression perpetuated by the 1%. Phase one, YouTube comment streams. Phase two, the death of innocence for infotainment. I believe the self-flagellation industrial complex squeezes me into a metaphorical training device for little, literal training of the body and the mind while they numb the part of my brain where self-love thrives. I believe in the theory that we build countless avatars away from ourselves. My conspiracy theory is hollowed out of the blankness the screams make of us. I believe that reunification would involve some anti-puritanical touching to start things off. There's one about an end to buying. I believe that if goddess came back, they'd be sent to Guantanamo. Children are prior to language, the legislature, legislators of the world. Their unformed poems or prophecies trampled by words. One more. Love is a hologram that disturbs the air because it is matter. They release a gas that kills it in us, though the revelation tells me if they keep it away from us, it's something we should have, something we should take. I just found a typo. <laughs> <laughs> 
about Serene, regardless. Yo, so thank you. Yeah, finish. Oh. That's cool. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, I know. And Trust me, I, I, yeah, that happened. This happened to me a couple times. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I'm it's gonna okay. be okay. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you for being yeah. here. Thank you for that reading. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to be here. That's that's dope. You also have like two sets of glasses, which mm-hmm. I, I'm thoroughly impressed with. Yeah. That's really <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, I'm owning my nearsightedness or whatever it is that old people get. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Um, did you want to start off with? Um, no, go for it. Okay. I mean, so hmm. I guess the, 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 the bigger question, was there... Like one element or one moment or some kind of a snapshot that put the beginning wheel on what this book would become. Like, was there ever like was the was the thread or an original idea that just popped somewhere else, or did were these just I'm gonna write and maybe at some point this will all come together as a collection? Like, was there something that kind of kicked this off at some mm-hmm. point? Uh, you know, it's funny. I think a, a few different things. This this book has different levels of conception, different ways that it's been in the world, um, and ways that I've changed it. You saw one example mm-hmm. when I was describing how poems move back and forth between these two collections. There are several um, poems that um, were in um, the book that I was working on for um, Grey Wolf. <clears throat> Uh, which was taken in 2016. So I had like all of these years in which mm. that book kept changing. And and it was as if the, um, there was this kind of tide. And part of it is um, B Recorder um, it ha- is based around a, a long poem. And so mm. that really guides um, that book and how it works. Um, but I guess the other thing that I was thinking about when this book started was just the size of it and Mm -hmm. city lights as a kind of historical aesthetic tradition and wanting to honor that in lots of different ways. And so one example is I wrote these like little tiny poems, Mm -hmm. which I really don't often do. I had to think about that actually, because I did send him some stuff and he's like, it's just not going to work. And um, Garrett Caples, who's my editor, Um, And so this began kind of as a conversation. He asked me if I had a manuscript. I said, well, I'm kind of working on something. So I sent him stuff kind of piecemeal, and it kind of started coming together, um, sometimes more slowly than I would have liked. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up um, doing a poem a month with a group of friends, I was like, I, I gotta, gotta write a book. Yeah, <laughs> Let's do poem awesome. a day. Um, and so a lot of these are actually poem a day, um, you know, mashed up, but the, the thinking about Allen Ginsberg, thinking about the size of the book, thinking about just like how I wanted to continue to write political poetry. I wanted to write a book that was very, um, very specifically political, um, <clears throat> this is my middle age book too. Mm. Um, and so I had this book written and it had all of these other poems in it and then Trump was elected mm. and oh, that shift. was a game changer. Right. <laughs> right, that right. was a game yeah. changer. And so I actually, there are poems that were in here that are, that are neither in, they're just like, they disappeared. They sort of, I was like, I don't, this isn't the story anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, and so a lot of these, um, got written in close proximity. And I, and that was the other thing. Um, I tell this story a lot. Um, the other thing thinking about having a book with, um, with city lights is thinking kind of of improvisation and play. And I, 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 the be recorded, the long poem is inspired a a lot by, um, by play thinking about spoken word and thinking Mm -hmm. about anaphora and thinking about jazz and all of those things. Um, so, uh, I also wrote poems that I, I'm such a workhorse reviser. I'm like, you didn't do 150 drafts. What's wrong? You know, like what's wrong with you? You know, but this one, I, I didn't, I, there are some in here that I just kind of, you know, wrote and Mm. did a few drafts, a handful of drafts. And the, there's one, um, that I wrote, um, called Oakland float. Um, and I was introduced to the idea of those isolation tanks. I don't know if they have them in tank. You should do it. It's amazing. Um, And Giovanni Singleton told me about it. And 
so I did it and it was super transformative for Wait, me so and what interesting. Do you, do? What, what you float in a bunch of oh, salt water yes, in water. the dark, no yeah. sound. You have earplugs. So you're this. just in okay. your body and yeah. your body is just floating there. So like kind of you're they just aware. Okay. Yeah. You do it. I, I want to yes. do it. Yeah. Especially <laughs> having just had a baby. Yeah. Because you just sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so I was just like really into it and I wanted to, you know, so I wrote a poem was a long well you know it's in the book and I, I sent it to Giovanni and she was busy and so in the in the interim I was like revising it changing it da 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 I was so I contacted her again and I said well you know I revised it and I sent it to her and she said nope <laughs> she said go back um, and it, that was like a yeah. th- first or second draft that I sent her she said mm-hmm. go back so mm-hmm. I did and I never, you know, so that those were kind of more improvisational, sort of formal kinds of things. Um, thinking about um, um, different ways of of challenging myself, because mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing I I don't. Now that it's like when you said six books, I was like, really? Uh, <laughs> seriously, because you know, you just I don't want to get ossified right. mm-hmm. as an artist, and mm-hmm. so I always try to figure out like, well, what haven't I interrogated, or what you know, how haven't I challenged myself? Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say then like for curl futures would be like, like the one or two, or maybe there's more than that, like things you are interrogating, like for those folks, obviously that may not be familiar with the book. So, um, I think one thing is late capitalism and how late capitalism is like uh, that we're late capitalism is the zombie and we're just holding it all up. And there's all of these ways in which, all of these things that are monetized and made capitalist, including things like conversation or thinking, which is mm-hmm. what Twitter and Instagram yeah. does. It's yeah. just, it's using our ideas and thoughts to make money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to think about the world that we live in. You know, it like we are in a science fiction because we we are both ourselves and this other person right. that we've that we're manifesting through technology. So mm-hmm. we are so Profile, like profiles, yeah. um, so I guess like I just wanted to think about like how is it that you have an identity in that kind of world, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so mu- interesting because it reminds me so much of my experience reading for Fahrenheit 451 mm-hmm. because the thing that always fascinated me was her TV situation. I don't know if you guys remember, but she would sit in her living room and there were all of these layers around her. So it was like mm-hmm. kind of like virtual reality. And she became so invested in the lives of the actors yeah, yeah. that she was totally checked out of her life. And in fact, I think that was really the subject matter um, that the writer was most interested in was mm-hmm. that kind of critique. And I think too, like, you know, I'm 48 years old, you know, like menopause, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, like, saw, yeah, you know, like this is up. it. Yeah. I'm so happy. I yeah, can, you know, wear my okay. flowy clothes. Yeah. And yeah. Stop yeah. It. I'm my statement like, jewelry. Yeah. Like, I've been ready. I was there like at 30. I was like, oh, so, you know, there was that too. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. No. And, and, and that's interesting to me because I think I feel like the title with the poems that are in the book really play on that sense of like, it's sort of not just this technological future that we're living in, but then like our, ourselves, the, the future of like our bodies and ourselves yeah. and where is that going? And, um, this idea of like looking back, right. Cause there's some, some looking back, I think there's definitely references to more like eighties, nineties type stuff yeah. going in there, you know, technology or just, um, like media and then looking forward, right. What is that future as we look back and look ahead? And so is that something like that you were, I guess maybe intentional about, or that just sort of, again, like kind of crept up as you were writing these, you know, mini poems. Some of them were intentional, like going into a 30 poem a day, Mm. um, you have to sort of think like, well, what do I want to talk about? And Mm. sometimes it's just like, there's a guy, he's in a doorway, he's smoking (laughs) a cigarette. What is he doing? What is he looking at? I'm in a hotel room, you know? And like, and then just there'll be one little, like little thing. And then like that's, and then I'm like, take that little piece out and then it's by itself and then it has to kind of go that mm-hmm. way. I wish y'all could see her hand gestures because they're really helpful. I'm just saying, I'm like, yes, that's, awesome. that's right. She's like stretching out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, um, but I guess, you know, I, being a teacher and teaching writing, they're just sort of things that, um, that you realize you don't want to say because it's so a writing is such a, the way we talk about writing. And I think this is, can be kind of, I think a problem about the way we teach writing is we don't think about how the more you do it, the better you get, Mm -hmm. right? Or maybe I don't think about it, right? Um, And the fact that 
when your game is like when your things are easier part of what i'm interested in doing is like working against mm. my my yeah, and comfort, so i think yeah, yeah my, my my comfort level yeah. and so definitely i was trying to think of how i could do that and i think emotionally what I always do is just put myself on front street, which is, you know, like that's what bring down the little birds did mm -hmm. in a kind of very liberating way. And when I wrote that book and all my cards were on the table, I was like, I can do anything now. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel really liberated in terms of what I'm, what I keep feeling that I can do like I'm capable of as, as an artist and then also the kinds of questions that I want to bring to those capabilities to say, well, like, is that really good? Or is mm -hmm. that just, you know, this kind of canonical thing? How can you mess with that? How can you interrogate it? Yeah, yeah. Um, because the, the, the trajectory of, of your work, um, this is six collections out. Are... Are there any threads that have existed through all of the books? Um, and by that, like, is there something that you're still toying with that you've toyed with from the very beginning and that still is something you speak to uh, up until uh, uh, Cruel Futures now uh, with this collection that's out? Mm -hmm. In <clears throat> There's a section in um, Milk and Filth called Gender Fables, and I think that that kind of sums up. Mm. I've been thinking about gender fables from the time I was, you know, from my first book and from the time I was very little because I was always interested in the way that, um, and especially in Latinx culture, how gender is so stratified mm -hmm. and um, that I, I didn't, I didn't fit, right? Like I wasn't going to be wearing heels or doing mm -hmm. the whole thing ever. That wasn't going to happen. Um, and so, and I always like had, I was always sort of curious or interested, like, um, what, what was underlying those things and what were the desires underlying them? And my mom liked telling stories and she would tell fairy tales, but she would change them up. Like she would adapt them, which yeah. is what fairy tales yeah. you're supposed to do to fairy tales. Um, and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's cool. Like that's Snow White, but it's not Snow White. And, um, and so in every book I have some approach, including Goodbye Flicker, which is a book-length um, work on um, on folklore and adaptation. It's you know it's about my mom um, telling me stories. It's also about mental illness, which is another thread that goes mm -hmm. through the work I write. Mm -hmm. I think I've sort of evolved. I think it's such a difficult subject to write about, mm -hmm. and again, it's been like, am I ready? Can I do it? Do I have what I need to do it? And I think I've gotten closer to figuring out how to do it in a way that feels. Um, true to how I want to talk about that. Um, and I guess another thread is just like thinking about lyric subjectivity and, and what we can do with it and how it doesn't, it, you know, there's such a narrow view. I, I was looking at the introduction that Louise Gluck wrote for Fadi's book mm -hmm. and how she talks about how lyric and political are often, mm -hmm. you know, but that's actually, it's the opposite. opposite. The lyric is actually comes from our bodies, right. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and thinking about Audre Lorde's idea that, you know, poetry is of the people because it doesn't require material except pen and paper or even not pen and paper, paper just your mouth. Yeah. Spoken, yeah. Um, so I think that's, those are, those are kind of big questions that I'm asking. Yeah, interesting. And how do you like, um, so, so knowing that you, you've written sort of like, we've written memoir and you've written poetry collection and then you're also an editor, like how does your brain work in each of those spaces or, or move between those spaces, like as a poet versus a memoirist versus an editor, like what do you, what's that process like? <laughs> I'm like a hummingbird and I have to, I can't yeah. like do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, and I'm not self-diagnosing by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, um, I did once hear someone cause you know, you always hear like about attention deficit or whatever mm. of like, oh, it's a problem, it's a problem. But I heard someone say, no, it's someone who can do multiple things mm. at once, mm -hmm. you know? And so I am able to kind of do something for 10 minutes and then do, so and I'm not good, at, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not that great at it, no. but I'm pretty good at it. So I'm able to 
use time in a way that I can get a lot of things done mm-hmm. at once. So I don't finish anything in an hour, <laughs> but I get into five or six things in an hour and like move them incrementally. And mm-hmm. so it's just kind of like this, you know, this wall, it's, you know, of yeah. orcs kind of coming towards you. That makes sense. Um, yeah, you got another one? No? Yeah. Um, so kind of uh, pulling it back in a different direction, um, you had mentioned uh, already the idea of like looking at like maybe a larger scene and then finding that one little little piece to, to pull at and then go deeper into that that thing. Um, uh, in, in Care Worn Tale, uh, you look uh, and you speak about the idea of what beauty is, isn't. Um, what for you then is that one thing that is is in your life experience has been a beautiful thing that that you've like attached to either a, a great memory or something that you've seen in a reading? Like what is what's that one beautiful thing that you've been able to to hold on to as a memory? As a memory, <clears throat> I guess just like the amalgamation of my experience, you know, with my kids, just like you know, all in one compressed moment, just Mm -hmm. that their existence and their brilliance and like the fact that they, you know, that they're people and they're nice, you know, (laughs) you know, and they talk and they're like thoughts and, you know, um, I think that that's, and that's another thing, like motherhood, my mother, I'm obsessed with my mother Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be writing about my mother till the Mm -hmm. day I die. And I think motherhood is such a central part of my identity that, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm always situating like through that. See, and I was like, I was afraid to ask that question. I was like, I don't want it to ask her just because she's a woman. Cause you don't ask it. Guys, you know, but, then I was like, but it comes up in the work. And like, as a new mom myself, I'm always like interested in just how and if, and when like becoming a mother, like changed your writing, your writing process, what you wrote about, how you approached writing. Um, Cause then I just, for me, like, like someone had asked me recently, like, oh, what are you working on? Or, you know, why aren't you, you know, you submitted anything or where can we read more of your stuff? And I'm like, now that I became a mother, like I'm so much more selective about what I want to put out into the world because my child is going to read it one day. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And there's no rush. Yeah. There's there's no no rush. rush. And, you know, I think that's also like the capitalist machine, Mm -hmm. like gotta send out, gotta send out. It's like, we're not, we're not factories. Right every day. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you have a manuscript. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Clues and tips here. You know, there's a difference between like you can write every day, but you're not exempt, not necessarily necessarily like putting it out there submitting a hundred million things in a day and that kind of thing you know because people yeah that that is the thing that keeps coming up and and again like i feel like social media like adds pressure to that because you see like all your writers i submitted to this i submitted to that i got rejected from this i got accepted into this and i'm like i just had i feel like shit because i saw you do all that i guess the question is like but why do you want to like what is the the that's not like we're not talking about poetry anymore right right poetry is art poetry is like this is poetry and reading poetry to each other and talking about poetry and i think there's also that level of like the behind the scenes shit, like mm-hmm. one of our one of the writers here in Houston, uh, Ayokunle Falomo, uh, Nigerian uh, poet. Um, Ayo's been like he just got a chapbook prize, like a finalist for something else. Just got back from McDowell, McDowell Colony, and like it was like, oh, Ayo, man, I'm like, yeah, he's put in the work, but he chose now. He chose like several months ago to do all that and mm-hmm. like waited and waited and waited to find out all these things. And now he's actually okay. He's like, and now I'm going to sit still. <laughs> yeah. He's very much like, like, I don't want to do, I'm, I'm just like, I'm not going to do like, nothing else. And, yeah. and that's, I think part of that conversation that we lose out just because we're in the thick of, of all that other stuff. Go, that's, go, go produce, produce, produce. Yeah. And, you know, and you, but, but all that's, there's a season for these things. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's the time in which you do them. Some year you're at, I feel like it's like, even within other art forms, like you commercialized music industry pieces, there are people who have their on years and then you don't hear two, three that's years because right. yeah. they're busy doing something else. And I think that's the same. Or framework. they're just like still promoting the one CD. I think that that's yeah, right. Like the stillness, still. yes. like that's where good poetry yes. comes from. It does, you know, like um, you have to sit with the emotional tenor and, sure. and connect it to kind of figurative role that invites someone else in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
but it takes quiet. Mm-hmm. And you, when I say, I'm like, I sound like a viejita, you know? Like, <laughs> but it's not. It's, yeah, <laughs> but, like you even, know, I like, I want to be like, yeah, technology, Snapgram, you know? But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I think it's also, like, when you say quiet, I also think that yeah. I just found pollen in my hair. I don't know what yeah, that is. Um, but I think it's also that, like, like musicians and other artists and, and poets and writers, like, we, we do all this art and, like, we take that step back and we kind of analyze and look at what that quiet piece is. And then we go and explore other shit. Like some people take up other jobs, other instruments. I mean, you just need to live and then also. Just like you just have like living thing to do, to right? Happen. Like it's right. listening to those, yeah. those vibrations. And it's, it's like, it's, it's a lot of like emotional and mental labor to like put, put these together. things together oh, and do them. Right. So like, yeah. let me just sit with it. Like, yeah. You know, you, you go to a reading after like putting out a book or whatever and be like, oh, when's your next one? I'm like, can I, I just, can I just sit with this one? Can, can I, I just I like, just, can I just not? The pages is <laughs> we just not talk about the next yeah, it's one. Smell, the ink good. is still, 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 you can smell dying. it. It's still yeah, dry. Yeah, it's, it's got the new ink smell. Yeah, right. Sure, um, sure. um, with all the accolades, like all the awards and all the things that you're working on now, what advice do you have for like the brand new writer who No for me. <laughs> what let me I mean, rephrase the question. I mean you were let you me know, rephrase right? the what, what advice do you have for my co-host? <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess you know, whenever my students are like freaking out and talking there, my friend published this and da 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 I you know, I always and my students are like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't publish my first book until 12 years after my MFA. And so I was just putting in the work. I was just learning. I wasn't good, you know. Mm. I wasn't good out of graduate school. Mm. And um, and so, you know, again, like it's weird. um, And maybe part of it is how just how my brain works. I need to like learn something like I'm learning. I wish I could have learned to be a visual artist. But that's kind of how I work as a mm-hmm. poet. I'm just, it's kind of an assembling, it's construction, right. it's collage. And I just like to know the material. I like to know what's possible. So I like collect words. I look at phrases. I remember, mm-hmm. I look at how what poets do. I name what they do. So mm-hmm. I don't say, oh, that was cool. I kind of like, I go, well, what they did here was the image started here with that modification. And then like this mm-hmm. echoed right here. So I'm, you know, having this ongoing conversation with myself about poetry, um, thinking about learning writing the way someone would learn how to dance Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like you watch someone move and then you try to do what they do and your body becomes you know starts learning muscle memory and there's a muscle memory to poetry and I think just cultivating that you know and not getting caught up in the bullshit I think that's like the biggest pitfall because it's people are putting out books that aren't finished um and Preach. <laughs> Preach. Well, I mean, okay, so just it kind of picking your brain here uh, related to that because because you, you are you know the founder I guess it's called of, of like Noemi Press or Party mm-hmm. yeah so like obviously you receive these submissions and you read them how how for you how do you gauge like this book isn't ready or it's you know not finished like what are some of those markers that you see well. I think one thing I would say about the work that we do at Noemi Press is that we work very closely with artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I see, um, there are lots of different ways in which a book isn't working, but the the one that's the most sort of disappointing is that it almost does something that it's about to do, right? You see it breaking through, you see someone Mm -hmm. almost doing something, and you get to the edge and they don't jump in and you think, gosh, three or four more drafts mm-hmm. of this book and you would have been right there. And also just like people putting out book year after year yeah. after year and they're not giving people the space right. to experience the books. But again, I'm, you know, like it's easy for me to say these things. Like mm-hmm. I would have, you know, uh, when I, my first book got taken um, they're like, well, what, you know, are you going to decide the cover? I'm like, they could put Mickey Mouse on the cover. I honestly <laughs> don't, I don't care. <laughs> they took it, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. kissing their feet. Like, Thank you. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, I understand that hunger, mm-hmm. but you know, when I look back at that first book and I'm, I am proud of that book. I do think like one more year, one mm-hmm. more pass, you know, mm-hmm. and it could have been doing something else. 
Um, so just pay, you know, slow and steady wins mm -hmm. the race, really, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I'll tell you what, 1998 or 1999 or 2001 or 2004, no one was thinking about, you know, my book or thinking about my work, you know, in any right. kind of robust way. It took mm -hmm. a long time. And even after that, you know, it wasn't really till Milk and Filth that people were thinking about my work in a way that I could see. I mean, I know people were reading it, but sure. people talked to me about Milk and Filth. Um, even though I thought Goodbye Flicker was really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's good to hear too, because, yeah. like you know, career-wise, we're we're Jasmine's now working on her third book. Well, there's things happening, but <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's I'm literally like, once my MFA is done, I'm going to put that on a shelf. Well, for yeah, a while. and you like, have to I'm do that too. I, yeah, you after finishing to after finishing my MFA, I I wasn't. I had no book idea put together. And like my thesis, the book I'm, that's about to come out is like a stripped down, cannibalized, like reorganized version of that that thesis. But it, I sat back. Like once I finished the degree, I he literally paid video games I for like six months. And I couldn't process. Every weekend he was like, I should write, and then he would just like play video games. And I, you, I, I lay fallow. Have, you have to let your brain yeah. lay fallow I and couldn't. rediscover the work. For sure. And I, I, like even for then, sure. like the amount of reading that that I undertook for the program, I need. Now it's also I was a little older, but. I, I need glasses. Yo, that terco, I like. I haven't even bought glasses. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I, I just did it. I just oh, did yeah? it. Yeah. Everyone's like, Carmen reads like this. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I have. I had one pair that broke that I got from Home Depot. And that's because I made it. You, you know where you should the, go? Where? TJ Maxx or Marshalls. In the ladies section, they sell boxes of four for like eight bucks. Nice. Yeah, sure. These are from there. Some readers. So. Yeah. There okay. You go. I'm yeah. about to do that, folks. <laughs> Uh, advice from uh, uh, <laughs> body advice from Inkwell uh, podcast. So, did you have? I did have. Okay, so I have one final like for me like that I was really interested in just like picking your brain about with because I noticed obviously there were some um, some sort of mythological and other female like figures in the book. So, um, like who who are those female figures, heroines, um, and you know I guess you mentioned sort of the the gender fairy tales and whatnot but but who are those that like inspire you in your writing or that mm -hmm. give you strength because that's all <clears throat> well the gender fables in milk and filth and and like the ones that didn't make it the b-sides that didn't make mm -hmm. it in there and the ones that i continue to write about are all women who have somehow been marginalized so mm -hmm. or have been miscast so and that's actually in my first book i have a poem about lilith um which is you know um one of my first attempts at adaptation and thinking about um, rehabilitating some of these. Um, and so there's a Joan Rivers poem, there's a Virginia Woolf poem, mm -hmm. La Llorona, Malinche, um, Anne Sexton. Um, and also like kind of the dark, the dark women of fairy tales. Like mm -hmm. I'm really fascinated by um, Snow White's stepmother, mm -hmm. you know, because, mm -hmm. and that's in here, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm fascinated by Bluebeard um, and, the, you know, the really dark ones, um, heroines that do things that they're not supposed to do in fairy tales. Uh, and, and my mom, you know, she just, she was such a, like, she did things that I didn't, that weren't legible in the larger world that mm. I saw us, that I lived in. And that was very liberating for me. Um, and so... <clears throat> you know, she's kind of looms large. Yeah. <laughs> For many of us, the mother definitely looms does. large, and, and in a good way, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's mother worship, which, you know, share with Roland Bart, which makes me makes it a little better for me because <laughs> sometimes it feels like man you sure write a lot about your mom <laughs> <laughs> well the rest of us need that yeah, I, I think that's beautiful um okay so we good we'll come back with the lightning round well, I, there's one oh, last there's one, there's one last oh, one okay. last question um, now this one totally switching gears um, your thoughts feelings or like how you're processing Oh, that's um, right. Canto Mundo celebrating 
It's 10 years. And for those of you that aren't listening. That aren't listening? (laughs) (laughs) For those of you that don't know, sorry, I totally didn't say that. If you're not listening, pay attention. But it's doing. Um, (laughs) That was a brain fart. Hey, Josh, don't mess. Yeah, just do something with that. Um, uh, For those of you that don't know, uh, and I'm going to, boy, I'm going to test myself on this one. Um, Canto Mundo is a annual retreat, uh, writing retreat. where um, it has provided space for uh, Latinx writers across the U.S. Um, from as many different cities and states uh, that can attend, um, in which we gather to both celebrate uh, the work that we've done, but then also be able to create new work um, with uh, guest faculty that come um, for the, the four-day Weekend beginning on a Thursday night, ending on a Saturday, Sunday evening. You get three chances to attend in a five-year period. I am, so you have to apply. And you have you to apply. Selected, it's a very, it's very, a highly competitive right. selection it's, well, process. I would say I wouldn't use either the word oh, selective no. or competitive because well, yes, because I think one of the things that we're trying to do is create cohorts and groups of people that are the most reflective mm. of Latinx literature in oh, every given awesome. moment. And okay. so it's it's aesthetic. It's where people are in their life. It's where yeah. people are in their career. It's people who are in academia, people who aren't right. in academia. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to make sure that, like, you know, there's rep- strong representation, yeah. right? Like, because yeah. Latinx is complicated. It's super complicated. So, you know, um, it really is about creating a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's frustrating for a lot of applicants because they think it's about, well, this person gets published and that person gets sure. not. And I, and like, sometimes I wish people, we have like a five hour phone conversation after we've screened, you know, and there are two, you know, there's a massive group of people right. screening them and giving their feedback. And, you know, we have all kinds of different ways in which we, we read the applications. So, um, it's a tough, 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 tough thing. Well, looking at it, I think from both of our experiences, the the year that I got in, I was floored when I attended uh, the retreat. And also very, at the time, very proud of the fact that being able to to sit at the table and be in the space, I got to speak uh, on the, the auspice of, I'm not in academia, I don't have a book published, but I know community. Yeah, really damn well. Like I, I think, and so bringing that to the table, I. He get, poor guy. He came home that weekend. I was like, "What? Do you, what did you go do? I don't. What? Leave yeah, me. I don't know. Like, I, I was like, and he was so <laughs> and just like, ready ready to, like, like yeah. shared. He was so in love. Well, with like, like I literally, yeah, I like, I, 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 had a, I had yeah, a, I'm hella culty about Ganta <laughs> Mundo. So like, I, but like, I had a freak out because I remember having uh, lunch, dinner as we were finishing up, and it's like we were in a booth with. Um, uh, Sherman Batsui and then uh, J. Michael Martinez and like I'm doing everything in my power not to have a freak out moment because I was like I'm just gonna order a Dr. Pepper <laughs> and eat this salad and shut up like and I was just but then like Sherwin had asked the question like in organizing stuff like I, I like doing readings but I couldn't figure out like to put a reading together that takes a lot of energy and at that moment I was like actually it's this 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 and this and it was a really cool conversation and I was like that's I added something to a really yeah I mean it's great that you're able like it Canto, like, you know, I think like Vona and Kundiman and Cave Canem allow you the opportunity to like be in community with these like very experienced seasoned like well-known writers that you know if you know, if you were, if you, if you haven't exposed to any like Latinx writers, you're like, those are the ones, right? You're like, oh, I know, you know, these five people because those are the only ones that they taught in school or that I like right. found in the library right, randomly, right, right, you know, right, and like right. Kanto is able to bring them and then you're sitting across the table from them. And like, for me, I'm just like fangirling, like, uh, like you know, the whole time. Yeah. But you get to have those conversations and they're just, they're real people. They're regular people. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And so it's great to be able to have that space. So to the question. Oh, to the question. <laughs> so coming Canto into, Canto Mundo. Uh, Mundo is now uh, uh, with this, uh, I believe with this retreat is celebrating 10, ten years. Um, what's your feeling, your take, your like hopes, hopes <laughs> for uh, the fellows? Well, I feel like first is how am I going to fill these shoes? Because mm-hmm. Celeste and Deb That's are... True. 
in like the most amazing how they've managed to do this basically on their own. Yeah. Um, and it's, and like, there's the front labor that we all see, but then there's all this back labor involved that's, you know, I am like 23 hours out of the day. I'm walking around. I'm like, I don't know how they do it, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I'm excited and I'm excited to think about, I'm, I guess one thing that makes it amazing is that Celeste and Deb are just like, okay, here you go. Mm. It's terrifying, but it also is emblematic of what Canto Mundo is. It doesn't belong to anybody. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a top down kind of situation. There, obviously there are things that, um, the retreat require, but, um, the retreat is this, it's like an experiment. It creates Mm -hmm. a space. People make connections, people make friendships, people, um, review each other's books. People talk to each other about poetry. We do talk a lot about poetry and community there. Um, and it also like just year after year going to Canto Mundo, like it's so, it's so vital to so many people who Mm -hmm. have felt invisible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of, I I would say like having done Canto Mundo, talk to people about what they need and why they want it. I think a lot of Latinx writers do feel invisible and Canto Mundo helps, um, helps them feel seen, not just as a poet, but just as a human being. Cause even as a, even as a human being, sometimes it can feel kind of daunting. Um, they're so, I don't know. Anyway. Um, so thinking about the future, we have an amazing organizing committee and, um, our senses, um, because there are a lot more of us and because now we have the momentum that, that they so beautifully set up for us. We're thinking about how is it that we bring Canto Mundo to the community because Mm -hmm. there's such demand and there's just like, there are only so many spots available, Mm -hmm. you know, um, how is it that we create those spaces um, across the country? And so our sense of it is going to be, um, Canto Mundo doesn't belong to me. I'm doing the work of the retreat for free. So is the organizing committee. What are your proposals, mm-hmm. right? Not mm-hmm. your, you should do this, but how are we going to make Canto Mundo serve, you know, as many people as it can? For sure. So, you know, we're, but we don't, you know, we're also like, what is that going to look like? How are we right. going to do that? You know, um, and, but it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. It can be thankless. It can mm-hmm. be frustrating. Um, but I, it was such a transformative and necessary experience for me as an artist. Um, I just, how could we not keep it alive? For sure. You know, sure. because that's what it's doing for a lot of people. Yeah, it's necessary you know? and definitely urgent. Yeah. I mean, and, and just again, like having that community and feeling seen and then just, cause even, you know, like here in Houston, literally like in the spoken word poetry community, it was like me and Lupe and our friend Marlon <laughs> was the entire Latinx <laughs> poetry community. Yeah. And I was like, we're in Houston. How is this possible? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but we would hit up every single open mic, every single reading, like the three of us were like, yeah, round let's and round. Go. Like, let's go. <laughs> you know? And it was like, and of course people don't know what to do with me. Cause I'm like, yeah, you're black, but it would also <laughs> sound like a, a bad joke. Like it would be like, so a Puerto Rican, a Mexican and a Dominican walk into a bar. <laughs> Literally. And we were really like, read some oh, poems. <laughs> like, it would be that. And like, hey, we were going to read some poems. And that was the deal. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's Definitely good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, right. we will close out this segment. section, yeah. segment. We'll be back with our lightning round, the very difficult, hard pressing questions, as Libby likes to say. Okay. And we'll be back with uh, <laughs> lightning round. We are listening to our interview with Godman Jimenez Smith. And we're back. Uh, so for our last segment, we do a lightning round uh, question. So these are 10 questions. Okay. You have about 60 seconds to answer. First answer that pops in 45 because yeah, 45 Jasmine seconds. changed it. I feel like 60 seconds is a really long time. Okay. So here we go. For each one? For each, for each one. one. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, kidding. No, no it's, it's like for each one. Oh, that's a long but time. A long time. Lightning, I, thought, I felt like lightning round See, is like 30 boom, seconds. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Matt. See? Two against one. Okay, uh, officially now, every... <laughs> I mean, I just screwed myself. <laughs> Josh, can you make like a new little minutes. sound? Like horns, like... Dun, dun, dun. Like, okay. from this point on now, every lightning round thing will be 30, 30 seconds. seconds for each question. Yeah. yeah. All right, ready? Okay, here we go. Bing! Uh, oh, sorry. Question, and Josh puts like <laughs> thunderbolts and stuff. Okay. During the... You should, you'll love this episode. Okay, okay. Uh, lightning round. Question one. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. How, like, how late? 
Well, you know, as long as it takes to write the poems. <laughs> you know, so I'm not a great morning parent, let's say. Got it. Um, coffee or tea? Tea, but not either, really, but tea. Which kind? If you're going to drink. I like fruity, you know, the ones that aren't found in nature kind of tea. That's, <laughs> that's Lupe. That's, that's Lupe. Like, I have like a whole bottle of raspberry tea. Sort of I'm like, like the, is that really a tea, though? That's, that's, that's juice. They have it in the thing. You got to dip juice. it in the it's water. Juice. That's called that's juice. juice. <laughs> what is that? It's Why you always got to talk shit? Juice in a bag. Juice in a bag. <laughs> Josh, I hate you. I'm done. This is my last episode. Um, um, ooh, a writer or a poet you've always wanted to read with, but just never hmm. have. That's a good question. 20 seconds. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. I don't know, man. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, Emily Dickinson. Yeah. <laughs> She's the one that's alive, so no one gets offended. <laughs> <laughs> <That's my laughs> you should have said me. Uh, no. Yeah, no, yeah, go for it. Oh, um, first thing you do at AWP to keep sane. You know, I always have a cocktail with Rigoberto, and it's always like, oh, just, we always cross paths. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, two lovers <laughs> meeting awesome. in a hotel, yeah. like wordlessly walk over yeah. to the bar and, you know, do our thing. Nice. Yeah. That's dope. He's a good one to have a drink with. Oh, he's, he's like the best person. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to literally, if I see them together, I'm going to run over like, let's get a drink. <laughs> They're yeah. like, you're ruining it. Like, oh. Did I ruin it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Hugs, then leave. Take um, a picture of it. Take a take picture of his shoes. Picture of his shoes. Gotta go back. Okay, scenario. Mm -hmm. This is a scenario question. Love it. Yeah, you get like five rejections in what one day. Mm -hmm. What do you do for self care? I don't know. Like, I don't think I would have five rejections in one day. But I guess I would just look at the poems and kind of be like, okay, what do they need? Why mm. didn't they respond to people? I mean, why didn't people respond to the poems? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, lighter questions. Current Netflix show. OA, as we were discussed yes. in the car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, social, I maybe mean, don't have one, but I was, I guess, like social media guilty pleasure. There's like, what does that mean? Like people I follow? Yeah, that could be, yeah. That could be a thing. Um, gosh, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't really, yeah, yeah I don't really. I like, but I have to say, I do like just kind of looking at memes. There you just, go. Yeah. That's you know, good. I just like reading them. I think they're funny. Mm -hmm. I send them to people all the time. There you go. That's your I collect pleasure. them. What's yeah. the one that we there ran into go. the other day? Like me at 18. Oh yeah. Me at 18, like club until like three in the morning. And to go to like, work at 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me at, now. Like if you go, like, don't you dare start that movie after 8 p.m. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally be. Um, oh, this would be an interesting one. Worst or most embarrassing moment as a mom? Worst moment as a mom. Well, I gosh, there are all of them when the kids are babies are in um, bring down yeah, the little yeah. birds. <laughs> but I guess just worst is acting like I'm in my fucked up childhood home <laughs> when I'm not, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Projecting, yeah. Projecting or just bringing that weird mm -hmm. problem, bad problem solving. <laughs> do you guys call you on it at all? Or do you check Well, yourself? you know what's so funny is they're like, you're so loud, you're so loud. But then when I'm around my family, I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Favorite true crime story? Okay, so um, <clears throat> there was this guy who murdered his wife, and he was like a doctor, and it turned out that he hadn't been a doctor, and he moved Ooh. in his, um, his nanny named Gypsy into the house. It's the craziest Dr. McNeil, M-A-C-N-E-I-L. Damn it. I need to look this up. Yeah, Doesn't it's a good one. Shit. It's got so many layers and like he was, you know, he did all of this crazy stuff. He acted like he was a pilot. He acted like he, he actually got a degree, but he didn't have any of the background and he was a doctor. Damn it. Um, and Mormon had daughters. The daughters had all kinds of crazy stories about him. So totally arresting story. For those of you listening, we... Had on the way here, we were talking context. just like, yeah, our randomness and like, we, we, are, love, we all love true crime stories. And so, I so had to ask. yeah, profile. Yeah. What, what about favorite? yours? 
So, okay, I don't know if this is officially like a crime story, but the one, and they kind of like, they remade it with, um, what's that lady's name? She's married to Rapid. Why can't I think of her name? Angelina Jolie, but like, I think they totally changed oh. the story. But it's like about the, the kid who, like, changeling. Yes. And yeah. he like leaves and then like they bring it back a kid, but she's like, I don't really think that's my kid. And then like now I think they, they so uh, one of my like workshop students um, wrote an essay about it and like the, the great granddaughter or something like had his bones like dug up and found yes. out that it actually wasn't him. The kid that was returned to the mom yeah. was not actually. Shut up. Kid. And it is a true crime because yeah. they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff on that farm. Yeah. So Holy I want to like go back and like actually like learn more about it. So that was really interesting to me. Mine was something I just read last night because I was, I was going through Twitter. Like it was one of those promoted things yeah, and yeah. it was five crazy stories you won't believe are true and it turns out there was a serial killer here in houston uh known as the candy man who like yes murdered like, dean 20, coral dean coral like <laughs> you really like, do know she all knows of them. this like, it's so <laughs> awesome <laughs> She's like, I know so many of them that I'm onto foreign countries now. <laughs> That's like, awesome. <laughs> but so like, apparently, like, knows. Coral, so Coral was murdered, a shot by, like, to these, there were two high school kids that he employed to help him, like, capture and, like, kill 28 of these high school boys because he was promising, like, drugs and alcohol or whatever. And candy. And candy. And, and then, the, hence the name. Hence the name. But so, like, this was in the Heights here in Houston really? back in the day, like 71 through 73. Oh like, craziness, right? So, it turns out that uh, the, the teen who shot uh, Coral, uh, when he was sent to jail, the mom took all his stuff and, like, put it in boxes and put it in an abandoned bus in some oh. open field. And it turns out that, like, this other guy who was directing a documentary. Uh, was digging through the guys, got permission, started digging through the guys' boxes, and found a photo of another kid that hadn't been identified ah. in any of the previous murders. They don't know who the kid is, but so like that's still an unknown mm. victim that could have been the 29th addition to this whole. But like, there's still mm. a documentary coming out. Like, there's really? the story of it, but like, it hasn't been Hollywoodized. I oh, guess is yeah, the like phrase. Sort of like. Yeah. yeah. That would be a hard one to Hollywoodize. That's, that's yeah. intense. Would you ever write true crime? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I kind of, so I just started messing with writing fiction. Mm. And so <clears throat> I am kind of playing with writing one about a mom whose daughter goes missing um, and she just kind of becomes obsessed with true crime. Mm. Um, and then they find her remains. And so it's like how people online are kind of trying to help her, how she's engaging with that, how she's kind of processing it. That's awesome. Well, I gotta, I gotta have a reason for all my true crime. Otherwise it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise it's weird. (laughs) Research. It's research. Exactly. All right. And then last question, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, there's so many different places, but um, I want my ashes to be spread in Santa Cruz, California. So I kind of feel like I love it there. It's beautiful. It's It's like a lot of the things that are amazing about California, but without... California. <laughs> it's just yeah, really hard it. to, the highway is crazy. I used mm. to live there. The mm. highway is crazy and it's, you know, and to get anywhere else, mm. it's still, then you are back in California. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Nice. So cool. All right. Well, so is there anything else that's coming up or that you want the world to know about? Where oh, can, find can I you? read? Um, oh yeah. yeah I wanted please. to read one poem we'll from that, the yeah. book that's coming out. Um, <clears throat> I missed my daughter's birthday. Um, for this trip. Um, so this poem is written, she used to have this little box and she would take these like little fuzzy, remember those fuzzy, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what plant they're from, um, like a Southwest plant, but anyway, and she would put them in a box mm-hmm. and she, she'd say, you know, they're spirits. Aww. So I wrote this poem and this poem was also a part of the, um, the, Pintura Palabra project that oh, cool. Francisco Aragon d- did. I don't remember the the image, but this was one of the poems that I wrote um, um, in response to one of the images. My daughter, only a shadow. My daughter gathers the seeds she finds in our desert, calls them spirits. The spirits are us, she says, while I need the orbs in my fingers to call up her birth. 
The wind's first thought is to free those seeds, vessels of the tree's worry that she's not enough of a multiplicity, that she will burn into the cosmos. The cosmos is no thought, no worry, more than us, but less than wind. And the wind is only the infinite, not the body's death, which is, after all, only a particle, but time is formless as space. This is only if the wind worries at all. The seed doesn't think. She is the doubling ambition of a vessel. In the wind, the idea of the copy is translated by time. We were once that idea. My daughter collects me in a box marked for spirits where I unsettle the other seeds begging for wind so that my sound will echo a thousand miles away. My daughter is now the pulse I toss into the wind with the seeds. Particles of us pass over like whispers through the cosmos upon the clatter the wind makes. I worry that when birds take her into themselves, she'll become a fleck of their transience. But this is how we permeate the cosmos, the twine of our breaths into wind, into carbon, into the tree's colossal fingers reaching back from under the earth. Thank you. You've all been listening to Inkwell with our guest, Carmen Jimenez-Smith. I am uh, one of your hosts, Jasmine Mendez. I'm the other host, Lupa Mendez. And hopefully we will get to talk to you guys again uh, in the not-so-distant future. Uh, Enjoy your evenings and see you soon. Thank you for listening to Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint in Houston, Texas, a city with a wellspring of literary activity. Inkwell is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tintero Projects, produced by Rich Levy and Krupa Parikh of Imprint, and recorded, engineered, and edited by Josh Walker with 150 Media House. Inkwell is made possible by a grant from the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance and Imprint's other generous supporters. For more information, visit imprinthouston.org or tinteroprojects.wordpress.com. For feedback on this and future episodes, email inkwell at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.